Inside Improv with Stacy Halal, Joe Bill, Elise Rodriguez, and special guests Danielle Orontia and Felipe Ortiz. Welcome. It is a Friday, so it's time for Inside Improv, where we talk about things related to improv, both on the stage and off and behind the scenes. I'm super excited about our international guests this week. Uh, but before we bring them on, let's bring on Mr. Joe Bill. Hi, Joe. Buenos dias, Stacy. Oh. viernes. Es tiempo por Inside Improv. Nice. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, impressive. Dónde está mi arepas? Where is my rice? What is arepas? Where's my... Oh my <laughs> arepas. Arepas. Is it a, oh, what is it? Arepas. It's a food. It's like a, a dish. I know. I'm terrible. Okay. Hold on. Before it, I make it, it worse, it let's is, bring on. <laughs> maybe. We'll bring on our, 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 our co host who does actually speak Spanish, <laughs> Elise Rodriguez. Hello. Hi, Elise. Hello. Arepas are, are, are just like eating a cloud of love is it cheese in the middle is it dough like kind of cornmeal it is corn it is cornmeal and then but it's made into a pocket and then inside there's cheese typically there's cheese that's a Venezuelan I was in Colombia and it was oh. the most and I, first of all I lived in Miami so I've had a lot of Venezuelan Venezuelan uh, arepas which are white the Venezuelan arepas are okay, white okay alright let me bring on our guests yellow. before we make it worse okay <laughs> <laughs> Here they are. Here are our Colombian guests. Are you telling me that I'm that this is what is an arepa then? Because no, wait, 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 wait. You're about to turn my world upside down. Let me introduce the beliefs the so that they can actually oh, yeah. tell us. So first, uh, let's out. welcome our guest Danielle Orantia. I loved how I did, your name is Orantia. It felt very. Um, projected out and it made me feel powerful to say it uh, and uh, Felipe Ortiz so welcome so glad to have you both and I am terribly sorry I do speak some French but I know very little Spanish so <laughs> to start uh, we need to know I have had arepas in Miami but uh, I would like, now that you've sort of described them, I want to hear, Felipe, you, you were disgusted by Elisa's description. <laughs> I can't believe this. I can feel, you tell us? I feel horrified. I'm horrified that I just got this wrong. Well, arepa is basically a, a, a corn tortilla, but thick. And then you can have it in many different ways and with different types of corn. So not only like a pocket but also like a thick tortilla where you put stuff on top or alone is very cool as well okay 
All right. Okay. I have. I don't. I don't <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Danielle was going to tell me to shake. Thank no, God. no, okay. Danielle. Do you agree with that <laughs> definition, or do we have five different definitions? <laughs> there, there are so many dif- different types of, of arepas. You know, there's uh, some in Venezuela. Some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here we have a sweet arepa made with sweet corn and uh, salty arepa. Maybe you could get really creative when it comes to arepas. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I will say that I had the honor of spending some time in Colombia in about 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago now. And it was the best food that I ever ate. All of it. I, we were, we couldn't eat enough while we were there. It was so good. And then we went to the coffee region that I always describe as just one of the most beautiful. It's like paradise. And the birds look like giant flowers and the giant flowers look like birds and like when you speak it almost feels like your words get sucked into silence in the most peaceful way uh so my experience in colombia was very very lovely and i would love to get back there uh so you two live both in bogota and did you meet there in bogota yes we met here and we live here (laughs) 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 and how did you two meet each other and and come to start working together Um, in the theater uh, I guess that we met through a friend uh, and then we started doing uh, different workshops and different uh, trainings and then we started playing and that was it then we we're friends. <laughs> was it with improv specifically that you started, or did you meet in a more broad theater context? Improv. Yeah, it was improv, I guess. Great. But you both Columbia do... takes its improv really seriously, by the way. It's so amazing. I like when I was there and I went to to the festival that we were at together, actually. Um I was in shock at how much uh like it's taken so seriously in Colombia and I was really impressed with how like we do not take improv this seriously in this country it was uh, the audience was very appreciative of the performance in the theater and I felt like I'm not I wasn't so used to that in in most cities that I've been to in the United States everybody was so appreciative of the shows and I like that that was nice how yeah, yeah, there is a, a a big improv culture here, mm-hmm. uh, mainly in Bogota. Like the last time with some improv people uh, that we counted the the groups, it was around fifty four groups just in Bogota. Uh, so yeah, in the past 10 years, it's been a very big boom of impro everywhere. Yeah, so when I was there about 20 years ago, I wasn't aware of any improv because I usually travel and hire people locally. And so we brought Will Luera, actually, and Will was able to improvise in both English and Spanish. So would you say it's really just been the 10 years? Is that the about the span of this boom? Were there some institutions there longer or groups that have been there in the 20 year range at all? 
Yeah, I started in 95. Uh, and I kind of created the first team pro group that there was in, in, in the country. Uh, and I didn't know that Impro existed. So um, we were like the first ones doing Impro for for a long time. Uh, but let's let's say that the big boom was it's been in the last ten years. That's great. And what sparked that direction for you when it wasn't something that was there already? What brought you to mm -hmm. want be aware of Impro and want to start doing it? It was a very crazy experience because I was part of a theater group in the university. And the director used to use Impro as a tool for creating the shows and uh, with a friend uh, that was part of the theater group we were just playing a lot with the exercises and doing stuff and one day we came with the idea to the director that uh, we wanted to do a show that was completely improvised and it was like our crazy idea and the director <laughs> said to us like yeah do it and the next time we had a rehearsal, he said to us, to the rest of the group, okay, these, these guys have something to show you. And we were like panicking, like, what, 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 what? <laughs> and then he said, just, just do what you told me you wanted to do. So we started playing. We started doing crazy stuff. Uh, we created a code that was like every time we run out of ideas or something, we will turn off the light and then turn on the light again and continue doing stuff. And we were there for 40 minutes doing crazy stuff. I remember that and it was just spontaneity, pure spontaneity coming out. Boom, 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 boom. And then... Uh, he gave us some ideas and he said like yeah, you should put like uh, a more structured show together and try it in a, a place for storytellers and musicians in the university so we did and after like six months or four months of being trying that structure in the university one day he came with a, a set of copies and he said hey, this might be interesting for you and it was Keith Johnstone's Impro. So mm. when we started reading that book, it was like uh, thinking, it was like finding a lot of ideas that we had, but we didn't have words for them yet, and they were written mm -hmm. there. Yes, yes. And there was a lot of stuff that we kind of knew what we were doing and it was very clear there. And I remember thinking that these guys stole our ideas. Uh, <laughs> just like 20 years before, but he did. <laughs> yes, yes. And the first time I saw an improv group was in... 99 or 2000, maybe like four years or five years after being doing Impro. So wow. I, I, I think that's why 
I kind of have like a, or at the beginning we had like a very different style. And when we started traveling and we went like to Europe, people were like, where did you learn this from? What is it? What is this so what that was you different? do? Yeah, I'm how so would curious. you describe what was, the, what was the different? style difference? Yeah. Yeah. I think mainly uh, we had also like a lot of physical theater background because the director was kind of uh, physical or is still very physical in his work. He studied with Grotowski and is very, very physical. And uh, the background for, for us was like clowning, slapstick, stage fighting. So we were using the body a lot uh, to improv. We were playing with imaginary objects and spaces. Uh, and something that is still very important for me is uh, the clown aspect of it, uh, mm-hmm. playing with the mistakes. Uh, breaking the fourth wall and just uh, creating this moment with the audience, with the lights, with the music. Uh, and it's like a way of understanding scene work, no? Like every everything that you do on a stage is only made if all the elements are connected. You need the audience, the lights, the music, the performers, uh, light designer, all, all that is involved creates this moment. So I really love to play with the elements for real. So uh, that's where the clown becomes a very important tool for improv. And, and in your style that you all developed on your own, did it tend toward comedy or toward drama or toward storytelling that includes both of those things? I guess at the beginning was very focused on comedy. Uh, and because also we were, we were trying to speak English in that time, and we didn't understand very much what people were saying. And so the body became like our main tool and that led us to a lot of mistakes. So we had to play a Mm -hmm. lot from the clown part of it. (laughs) And I guess that is still there. And and, and now I guess it's a mix, like uh, the show we do with Daniel is very strong in comedy, but it's very poetic. Uh, we go to drama and, and I guess now we can find like a very cool variety within the show. And we, we look for it, we, we seek for a, a show that has variety that is funny, mm-hmm. that can be sad, that is poetic, and and it mixes also like clowning and physical work, of course. I love it. We have a video of you juggling here somewhere. Uh, and when you know, John, who's doing our tech here, uh, also 
also juggles. And so when he came across this, he's like, no, that's really hard. You don't understand. You don't understand what he's about to do. That's really hard to do. <laughs> it's a really nice, nice trick. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because he has to go from underhand to overhand. Yeah. Yes. And then, yes. Laying down's hard. <laughs> Yay, which is great. Uh, I think what he's saying is, though, what you're saying is so important because um, I that's why I'm so happy that I'm not happy about the pandemic in any way. But I'm happy that the pandemic brought us all into a space where we can talk this way, because um, I always talk about how when I first started improv, I I was told by a teacher not like I did a physical scene and a teacher told me, don't do slapstick. We don't do slapstick. And that is, yeah, and that is, uh, I feel like, for especially for, for me as a Latina, like, that is how, where our humor is a lot of the time. Like, my, we're very physical, we are very kind of big, and and it's so important for, for us to hear perspectives from people like, for, for example, like me, that, you, that that speaks directly to me, like, no, that is part of the art and that is part of what we do and that's part of the fun and beauty of it. It's my favorite part of uh, of improv is storytelling that includes all of those things as well. And I, yeah. I feel most moved by that, not being afraid to go to poignant or meaningful places, mm -hmm. but then also to be able to release the tension as needed. Yeah. Uh, through laughter is is my definitely my favorite and i came to improv through film then wanting to uh have an ensemble create a film together so in and back then my origin story i thought was different but yours is more different <laughs> because uh back then most people started with short form and then they would evolve to long form and i, I was one of the first yeah. people to really start with long form because i was coming at it from that filmmaking perspective and now lots of people come at it from all kinds of directions but uh, I don't want to uh, ignore you anymore over there Danielle <laughs> so uh, I, I would love to hear a little bit about how how you discovered uh, impro and uh, you do acting now did you do acting in general back uh, any kind of theatrical training for me, it's never been a separate thing. Like like acting and improvising for me is the same thing because you're acting. Yeah. <laughs> but my <laughs> my beginning, I guess now I had this moment a few days ago because my drama teacher from school died recently. Mm. And I I had a lot of people writing to me. Like saying I'm sorry, I know that, and he was very, a very important person in getting me into the theater arts, mm -hmm. and then, like remembering him and things that we used to do, I had a lot of exciting memories of doing things that were improvised uh, as a game, like we loved, uh, like pulling his leg by just improv improvising on top of a place that we were rehearsing. So we will just keep on being the characters, but we will just play around. <laughs> and and he started to love that better than things that, we, that were scripted. Yeah. 
So then he was just giving us little pieces of script, and then from that we will build, we will build our our own version of the stories. Mm -hmm. But starting from a particular script or an idea that he will give us, and and for me that was like I just wanted to do that all the time. I don't know why, <laughs> and. <laughs> And it has been the same thing all the time in my life. Like, I don't know why I am doing improvisation. It's not something that I chose. It's, a, it's more like I feel like there was an other way to go. Like, there was like this need to do that. And when I was doing it, it, it was so freeing to like, yeah. to be able to be anything or anybody. And to, and in this particular, uh, show that we perform with Felipe and a lot of the work that we have been doing with Felipe. I was also thinking, it's very curious to think like, how will it be to be, for example, a lamp? How does that feel to be a <laughs> lamp or to be an orange or to be an object and see how you, you are everything in a way. For me, it's in, in the pandemic, I've seen like a very spiritual side of, of improvisation that has connected me with everything. Like through mm -hmm. improvisation, I could be anything that I want. And, and in this, I say spiritual side is because I start to feel that I'm part of everything. Like I could be a plant, I could be an object, I could be a villain, I could be a hero, I could be anything. And there's no no like restriction or things that are stopping me or making me feel like or judgmental about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, I think it, it sounds crazy to say, but I think in the U.S., like the acting part is not emphasized as much universally as as would be helpful <laughs> and i think mm -hmm. in yeah. uh, other parts of the globe the understanding that the acting is so essential because i i always say that we're both writing and acting simultaneously and i think a lot of people are writing and they're thinking of clever things to say in words and yeah. interacting through their words and leaving their bodies out of the equation um so that's that's very interesting when you think about it in music like when you see jazz improvisation for example they're amazing but in order to get there they first master their instrument they first uh, are study music and the structure of music and harmony and then they just go insane and break it and <laughs> yeah they yeah. put it back again so i think there's a lot of that in this in improvisation too like we do so write. americans basically just pick up a trumpet and <laughs> 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 exactly <Not even laughs> exactly Mastering it. but it's funny because del close you know was an actor and and he was obsessed with jazz uh very much so that relationship and if you've ever seen the film i don't know if any of you have had uh, in the shadows of motown Has anybody seen that film? No. So it's a documentary on all the studio musicians that played under all the big singers who came out of Motown. And it was always this same band. And really, they'd smoke 
weed and jam and they were improvising <laughs> all the the music and then the this they didn't ever get credit for being the heart of all of those records but when they talk right. about playing together it sounds exactly like an ensemble working together in improvisation it had that same oh, energy i would also I would also mention that, I mean, Dell was like a carnival performer and like did fire eating and did like all of, all of this stuff, which was uh, like mischief and all the crazy shit that he came from. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's this intellectual play to the top of your intelligence, like all of this shit. Um, I mean, it's, it just speaks to, I think in America, we learn improv to begin with and we say, ah, this is what it is and this is what it will be and it will not be anything else. But uh, touring around, yeah, like like touring around and getting to play with getting to play with these guys. It's I studied with Dell, and then I was lucky to learn theater sports and this stuff. But uh, and even a lot of people that I first learned the Herald with, it's that first started to uh, study with Dell. There's some people that are very snobby. This is how we're supposed to improvise. And uh, you know, I've talked about this before. I want to be able to do all the types of improv. And there was so. One of the reasons I was excited to bring these guys on, I mean, I've become very good friends with both Felipe and Danielle and uh, have done a number of different shows, but the greatest theater sports match is two matches <laughs> I ever played was when Lee White and I were, we were in Berlin, Lee White and I were a team and Danielle and Felipe were a team. So the Germans are very structured in how it's supposed to go. So we were one-on-one, uh, <laughs> uh, -on -one, and each and all four of us were in every scene. So when it was time for me and Lee to do a scene, here comes Felipe and Danielle. And if it was time for Felipe and Danielle, here comes me and Lee. And the Germans were like, How? and and so it's a tournament. It's a tournament, and in the tournament, we beat them in overtime by one point, and then we met in the championship, and then they beat us by one point. And. And the Germans, we were, they were completely thrown off by the chaos because we weren't doing it right. But yeah. they loved us because we were irreverent. We were messing around just like Felipe was talking about how they started. Like, I don't know what we're doing, but we'll just do mm -hmm. it. Uh, and it's uh, and and everything that could you can use in improv, we all used and we all supported each other. And when it was mine and Lee's scene, these guys came to make us look good. When it was their scene, we came to make them look good. And and to me, that was one of the highlights of my entire improv career. And there's a picture I sent to Lee, uh, or to uh, to John, of Felipe and uh, Lee doing a, a, a sleeping scene. I don't know if you can get to it, John. It's on the... On the Facebook, on the Facebook chat, we could probably get it. Yeah. Well, while we're looking for that, uh, I do want to share this uh, commercial we came across that has a familiar <laughs> face in it. Uh, we took the music off because we weren't sure if it was copywritten, so it has it. it has our theme song music. So here's <laughs> 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 it definitely makes it less sexy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> With the music is so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she that works music. great with that music. <laughs> <laughs> so good.
He's a little less sexy. It's a little bizarre to see. Yeah, you're falling in love to that um, bizarre. It felt more like an improv scene. It is. I'm falling in love with Yes. Uh, I think you've done a few commercials. Is there a lot of production in Bogota? Yeah, well, recently it's coming and going because of the of the quarantine, but but I think yeah, it's rolling. I've done three this year. That's like great. one that was a wow. big campaign, like doing like maybe seven or eight small commercials, and others for other products. That's great. And then uh, there was a big event, Joe, that you referred to for a physical theater that. Oh, the, uh, so Felipe, when you, <clears throat> the circus stuff that you do uh, during the pandemic, uh, you guys got to go in the big theater in Bogota and to stream a show or film a show or how did that work? We did last year, we recorded two shows. Uh, one, it's like a show based on migration, and the other one is a solo show that I have, uh, like a clown, buffoon, physical theater, impro, <laughs> uh, solo show. Um, and then, but those were in big theaters and were recorded and edited to, to be online. And then just a couple of months ago, we had the big chance to be in a very big theater uh, performing one of our shows for real audience. So that was really cool. How, how many people were able to come? Uh, 500, but the theater is like for 1,800 seats or 600 oh. seats. But they have like a long distance between yeah, like... How did that feel? Ooh, amazing. Oh, good. <laughs> it was really cool. Also, because this show, um, we created this show during the pandemic. So we did the premiere, recording it and showing it uh, just like online show, but then having the chance to do it with the audience and to see if the show really works, and, and it did, yeah. <laughs> luckily, um, was really cool. And, and just having such a big audience and being that big theater after one year and a half was really cool. And what is your... And there's so much... Oh, sorry, so go, sorry ahead, go ahead, Elise. No, you go ahead. No, you go. I was going <laughs> to say that... No, no. You, I was going to say that there that there's so much uh, going on in Colombia. When when exactly did you do that? And and did you feel like the audience? I just let me let me ask. Let me tell you why I'm asking this question. I feel like when I get back on stage in person after a pandemic and after you know in the United States the social justice movement and all of these things, everybody's so emotional and kind of sensitive and in need of joy. So there's a lot going on in Colombia. So what did you feel the audience different from before where now everybody kind of like needs it a little bit more? What was that like? Yes, I think I I think it was a huge relief of 
mm-hmm. feelings and emotions from yeah. both, from performers, from audience members, from even the tech team from the theater, you know, like they were so happy to be able to have a group there and to set up lights and to move ladders and and to plug the projector and, you know, like uh, they were amazing and helpful and all these things. And then the audience, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, it was a very cool moment in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. We had our last night that we were open we knew was the last night we were going to be open and so it had a fewer people but a a different energy where i think all of us were savoring that feeling and uh just so happy to be there so i'm looking forward to what the reverse feeling will be like in orlando at the fringe apparently the audience is a little out of control there <laughs> they've been getting up and dancing during like musical transitions oh and <laughs> participating in shows that have zero invitation to do so and they've had to remind people and you know they've had orlando fringe forever like the audiences understand how to behave there and i think it's very much like we all need a giant party and to dance together i think there's something yeah. So, you know, there's so much tension. You said there's in Colombia, how many nights of strike? Where are you? There's a lot of political un- unrest there right now. Uh, yes, the political situation and social situation is quite uh, big right now. Uh, today is mm-hmm. the we we are completing one month of uh, demonstrations, strikes. Uh, in all the country and and all the stuff that comes around that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think like, I, I think that's everywhere. There's just been such high tensions and a lot of good is coming from the protests and the demonstrations. So I don't want to, uh, to bemoan those at all. But I also feel like we all could use another way to release some of this intensity and just dancing and moving mm-hmm. our bodies is something we we don't do as much alone. <laughs> like people in their rooms, I hope people have been happy, but just to dance and yell together, I feel like is so important. Uh, Fawad I just, think, oh, sorry, go I ahead. Think, uh, no, just was going to say that I think artists are going to be a very important part of society after all this big change that is happening in humanity in many different levels because uh, yeah i think it's not just like okay there is a pandemic uh, happening or we are at the end of a pandemic but i think we are facing like a big spiritual change or energetic energetic shifts. Yeah, Mm -hmm, exactly. mm -hmm. And somehow, I don't know why, but I feel artists are going to be very important in this new process. I agree because we have to redefine some of the social norms that made life 
faster and more effortless uh, for some. But, you know, in in terms of status, when you walk down the street, who's going to move aside is a is an unconscious status evaluation. Who's continuing straight and who's going to move aside and who's going to open a door for whom? And is that OK? Right. Mm-hmm. All these new boundaries. And a lot of it, I feel, is growing pains from integration like we are integrating more both in real life and especially online we have to deal with people that we never might have had to deal with and we have to learn how to communicate a lot of different ways so something i'd love to hear your opinions on because you are such thoughtful and physical performers is that i talk a lot about um if you, ha- it's a Joe Bill exercise that I've adapted. Actually, uh, it's one of your ones where you have to stay a certain distance. You get a random number, and you have to say. And so, if if you, I have one, and Joe has ten, he has to try to stay ten feet away from me, and I have to try to stay one feet from him. And so, the dance and tension that's created, and what that reminds me of is, uh, I took a Navajo uh, Indian anthropology class in college, and a Native American, a Navajo's uh, personal bubble generally uh, is about 10 feet, which makes sense because there's a big area. And so there's more space there. And he used, my professor used Arabs as the exact opposite. He said, Arabs always stand close enough to smell you. Uh, which rang super true to me as an Arab person with an Arab family. I was like, yeah, we do. We, yeah. we like, Very close talkers. So if you took a Navajo person and you put them in a room with an Arab person that they both subscribe to these generalizations <laughs> and you ask them, it's exactly that same dance that's happening. And I, I've had to learn to give people more space. I'm not perfect at it, but I have learned that I need to pay attention to it. And what's rough is that the the Navajo is like, why won't this person leave me alone, right? I'm feeling invaded. I'm feeling threatened. I'm, I'm feeling, um, uh, what's the word? Like, well, just this person's trespassing on my boundaries. And then the Arab is the one I think who's like, why doesn't anyone like me? Because <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you're right. You're right about the artist helping in all of this, Felipe, because we're used to uh, having to work in each other's energy bodies and emotional bodies. Um, and I think that just the average person who's not having to work on these things constantly, or at least didn't work on these things before the pandemic, is probably really out of their element right now. <laughs> You know, it's also this thing that improvisation offers kind of a playground for adults. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the few places where I think it's safe for adults to play and to be free and to be childish and stupid without being judged and without like improvising. I mean, this theater class, this mm-hmm. space to to behave in certain ways and to like release a lot of this tension. And as Felipe was saying that that when that moment of audience and performers get together, there's such a big release from both sides. I think in the, in the world after the quarantine and the pandemic, 
it's going to be very important to rebuild this community and this sense of playing with others and being together. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that that's why we you know, have had such upheaval within the improv community as well, because we do need to make sure that it's safe and safe for for everybody to be included in this process itself, because what I, I was surprised, I did a what to expect from your for, from improv classes, uh, just a little video to try to help ease people's minds. And I interviewed a lot of people who had been through our training center. And a lot of people said that what they got most out of it was awareness of their own feelings, uh, which surprised me because mm -hmm. I'm all, I'm nothing but feelings. So that wasn't the lesson that came to me through improv. <laughs> I think there's at least three of us here that are. <laughs> uh, but that's a scary thing if you haven't been in touch with your feelings to suddenly become aware mm -hmm. of your feelings and uh, to make sure that people are, are uh, safe to be uncomfortable. Right? And, and, mm -hmm. and to learn where you need to expand your comfort circle of comfort and where you don't need to expand uh, but where you need to hold a stronger boundary i guess we're just talking about boundaries in general right and and communicating them right because yes. we if we're all in our own little isolated communities and cultures then we the expectation is oh everybody understands but now because we're interacting online and so much conversation is about what are your boundaries? What are your limits? How can we be accessible? You know, something to me that is happy to you is threatening. And so, so to be able to express your boundaries while also being curious about somebody else's in the mind and the heart of an artist through love, not through fear, is really like if we can crack this code, this is and play together and, and be respectful. This is what's going to, I think, help us, like Felipe was saying, as artists, uh, help us say, okay, we're no longer isolated. We can all play together. We can be an example for everybody who comes to watch us, who's been hearing this conversation about, you know, understanding and respecting each other's cultures and space and stuff like this. Um, like, I think that's going to be something that that is important. And I will I will plug in this, this moment. So Felipe and I do a show in, in French in very bad French called the Disciplinos. <laughs> and and it's and we only perform it in France in France and we only speak French. And so and we we didn't know why people liked it. In fact, we thought this is going to be a disaster maybe. Um, but I think I've talked about it before, but uh, do you want to talk about Felipe because this is this is when I really valued Felipe's physical style. I always love watching him. But it's, if we're going to say we will only speak French and I'm on stage with Felipe and, and uh, it's how we physically behave, like me cueing off of him that taught mm -hmm. me in the show how to be. So, Felipe, would you would you mind talking about our show en français or in English? <laughs> I, I feel a little bit disappointed when you say in a very bad French because I've always thought he's a very good friend. <laughs> But this is how we behave. <laughs> when we walk on stage, we say we are French. 
The- I have very bad French. <laughs> okay, a very good you. clown skills. Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes. The show, the show is really, really fun, and it was like putting us both in a very um, yeah. Let's put ourselves in in troubles. <laughs> uh, hmm. It's like uh, this sounds completely crazy to do, like very irresponsible to do a show like this. So let's do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and yeah, it's of course. Uh, uh, I think everybody has seen Joe performing. He's not the most physical improviser in the world. Um, so I think He's it's second, a really second, second most physical, <laughs> third maybe third, so, <laughs> second most physical improviser in the world, <laughs> Joe Bill. Sorry, go Can ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really cool to be able to 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 create from that, from just pure communication and pure uh, teamwork and just getting each other's backs and putting ourselves in trouble and try to find a way to get out of the trouble. That's amazing. And your show with Sarah Michelson is the show that that I saw uh, and you are silent. Uh, the two of you playing together, uh, not uh, Danielle and Felipe, not Joe Bill. And uh, Sarah is DJing. How how did that show? Because she lives in uh, she lives in Edmonton, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. She, she lives in Winnipeg. Uh, so how how did that all start up? <laughs> Do you want to tell us, Danielle? They're doing, they're doing the silent show now. They're, they're doing the you go, you go. Here's what I love about both of you. And I will tell you, like, the, we've we've been in together a handful of times, like three. And always I notice that you both are the most open, observant. You, you are both willing to sit there silently forever and you're taking everything in. And I can see that. You're watching and you're listening with such great detail. Uh, so anyway, Danielle, why don't why don't you tell us about that show with you and Sarah? Well, we met Sarah in uh, Germany, in a festival in Germany, and uh, she was from the very first moment we saw each other. It was like she's great. With we were friends immediately, and uh, and then we were just hanging out, and then when we went to Canada. Felipe and I went to Canada to play there and they said, okay, you're playing tonight. And we haven't had like a plan for a show. Uh, and then we saw that, that Sarah was there. So it was like, let's, let's ask Sarah to play with us and, and see what happens. And she, she was very happy to play with us and we were very happy that she was playing with us. Uh, so we did this show. And uh, during that show, we did like a collection of little scenes, but we did maybe two scenes, I think, that were silent. 
And there was such a, a good feeling after that, uh, that then that was like the first time we did silence. I mean, like non-speaking improvisation with her scores. And after that, uh, Felipe will tell you what happened next. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, I... After that, we went to a bar and we were having <laughs> some beers and Daniel and me, we, we, we've been doing improv for a while. Uh, and we, we used to do like silent movie style and we, we loved, of course, all the physical stuff. And that day we were in the bar talking and we came with this idea, we should do a show together. Uh, do you think we are able to do a long form without words, uh, with you doing the music, uh, asking Sara? And then I think again, that was like a very crazy idea. So we said, let's do it. <laughs> Right. And of course, for there were those things uh, in life that you know, like these connections. And we knew that time we were in Edmonton in the summer, and we knew that we, the three of us, were invited to Woodsburg in October in the same year. So we said, okay, let's ask the director of the festival, which which was Nadine Antler. Uh, so I said, okay, oh, I will ask her to see if she's interested. And of course, she said yes. And, and then we had a big problem. Okay, we are going to do a show, but we live in Colombia, you live in Canada. <laughs> so we started a very interesting process. Uh, we did a lot of research. Daniel and me were rehearsing here in Bogota doing stuff sending stuff to, to Sarah, sharing movies, music, uh, books, everything. And then we met in Woodsburg for the first show. We had one rehearsal and we did that one first show there. And it was a lot of fun. It was a uh, very good feedback from the audience. And I guess in that time, we didn't expect that that show was going to tour all around the world for five years or six years. That's awesome. And it, it's just, especially I think in a festival situation, it's such a breath of fresh air to have a wordless show because there's yeah. so many words uh, in yes. most improv. So many shows and so many words and so much to take in. And that sounds and like that sounds like you could just feel like you could just feel them in the show versus hear them. And, That's great. And they're really good. Like it's not just, oh, let's do a wordless show. Amazing. There's no words. Like these guys are good. And what might not be communicated, I want to make clear, Sarah is a DJ. Yes. So like she's got she has a whole booth set up for people 
not, you know, who don't aren't familiar. And she's a genius. And her partner, Tyler, is also a, a genius DJ. Yeah. Uh, and, and they have and, the, uh, and they also have a whole system to their music. So it's at their fingertips in terms of mood and style and genre. So they can very yes. quickly access and, and play through that voice of DJing. For and sure. all and, of those. Uh, say again. Sorry. All of those things have been very exciting to explore during all of these years. They have had all of these different moments of expanding and contracting, and uh, understanding things about music, working with Sarah, and doing all sorts of experiments and and trying things with Felipe in different parts of the world to being able to travel with this show and seeing what is happening with improvisation and how it has an impact on us and mm -hmm. the and the show we want to present. It's been a, a fantastic ride. Like, I think now about that show that we did, that was such a special show, a special night, the first time we did Speechless, but so many things that happened after that, that that became such a an incredible planet of imagination and things that you could explore for a lifetime. That's amazing. And usually, do you have do you what's your preferred stage setup? Is it yeah. blocks? Is it chairs? Is it nothing? Do you what's an ideal stage for you? I think Me. one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I've got one of those. <laughs> but it's also interesting to play in. We have played in very tiny spaces too. One time we played on a table on a university. Wow. And it was just on top of a table. And we were bringing Amazing. chairs and this table was just rocking like that. <laughs> which was also super fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I wow. think part I have, of, of playing. I, I have in a, oh, go for it. Please continue. Part, part of playing in different uh, stages. I think the, the fun thing of it is like when we get there, we are looking like, okay, can we hang from this pole? Can we yeah. jump under this seat? Can we, what kind of chairs do they have? Would they, would they take my weight and Felipe's weight on top of this chair at the same time or would they break? And then it's just building with, with all of this. It's kind of like going in through a, a different uh, toy store every time and seeing what do they have in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that, especially because we do tend to play on such small stages and people don't move a lot to just go into a room and say, how can I engulf this? And you know who else does that? I don't know if you're fans of Big Frida, who's the, the bounce queen of New Orleans, but she... Yes. <laughs> I want to know her. <laughs> you do want to. If you don't know Big Frida, you need to know Big Frida. But yeah. Big Frida tra tours with um, uh, dancers who kind of mix twerking and African dance traditions together, mm -hmm. which is amazing. But they'll twerk. They'll come into a space and attack that space. Uh, and if there's a little window, this woman can crawl up in it, make herself this big, <laughs> stick her butt out, and still twerk to the very fast rhythm for a very long time. So oh uh, everyone needs to check out Big Frida if you're, if you're not aware. There's a TV Big series Frida. about Big Frida, F-R-I-D-A. 
great. What you had another I was question, say, Elise? Um, yeah, I want. I have an observation to tie back to something else we were saying, and also a question. So the observation uh, ties back to when we were talking about. Uh, being able to be in our feelings as artists and emotions and all of that and feeling safe to do that or not, not, not going through fear. And I think before that even happens, like we have to create a space first in service of us being able to do that. Right. And I think this show, this silent show and the way that they just operate and in even the way that you just described how you see that they're so observant, Stacey, um, it it shows that they create a space for each other first is what I'm hearing. Like they're so aware, even here, like the two of you are so aware of each other. Like when you ask a question, you just wait to see to feel it out first and see who's going to talk first. And I think that that's so important before we even get into conversations about people surpassing their fears in certain spaces like we need to do that first that little that not little that big but like nuanced specific thing that the two of you do which is you hold space before you do anything <laughs> um so that's something that i'm seeing mm -hmm. and that i'm learning from the two of you um my other question is i would my my question is i would love to hear about like pick one of your shows that you've done silent and and what would you say was the storyline or or like after the show did you two have a different idea of what was going on and then you still played it or like what was the story give me an example of a story that you would have in that show without talking right like, i mean talk now but right. i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. talking. laughs> yeah could you recreate that show for us in its entirety <laughs> maybe i think you agree daniel the the one show that uh, stuck in our brains from from amsterdam maybe you want to share that one that yeah that was that was a very special. I mean, there are so many shows and moments. I have a diary of of uh, speechless shows where I write what happened Amazing. in each show, and it has become like a very cool place to go and revisit shows and to see things that are repeating. Yeah. But then, no, oh, he's locking up. No. I love that idea of a journal, though, of actually totally. journaling each one. Are you still there, oh. Danielle? No, he's there. He's there. He's there. He's back. Kinda. <laughs> That's a perfect Daniel. expression. Daniel. There he is. That's a great expression. Very thoughtful. <laughs> Make, <laughs> makes me only more want to know what he was about to say. You might need to. This is the, he's talking about the silence show. That's what's happening. Yeah. I will continue as he comes yes. back. <laughs> so that show, I, uh, I think we have very special shows that we remember for different reasons. And uh, some some are very strong in comedies or I'm very strong in storytelling or stuff like that. But that one in Amsterdam was really cool because it had a very cool mix. And 
there was the story, the life story of uh, a father with a daughter. Mm -hmm. And we saw the first scene was the father reading book, uh, uh, book stories to his small daughter. And the last scene of the show was the daughter, when she's a grown up, reading a book to Aww. her father as she's Aww. dying. And I remember that it was very moving and, <laughs> and like... I'm literally crying now. <laughs> when, when we bow and everything, we went off stage and then we came to the stage and there were like, for real, like 10 people still sitting there hugging and crying and oh oof, it, it was really 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 strong and then you can tell all the story and then people were saying like we can't believe that we saw that story yeah and we have all the dialogues and the conversations but right. then we realized that you were using no words for one hour and a half or something like that. Wow. Wow. Right. So yeah. they didn't even it didn't even occur to them that you weren't talking. They were just they were in the story and then it, they realized after. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really crazy. It's and and that's something that for us is the same. Sometimes after the show we are talking, talking and oh yes, and when you said that and you and then it's like, <laughs> of course, we didn't say anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was another show that I just remembered uh, in Edmonton. And it's, it starts with a, a hospital room with two babies in their, uh, I don't know how they are called in English, like in these fish tanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in English it's Sorry, called a I fish don't... tank. <laughs> no, uh, incubator. But you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's the same. Spanish, Thank you, because basically. I didn't even I didn't know the answer to that myself. I, yeah. I started. You know what I said when you said in English it's a fish tank. I'm like una pecera. I started answering it in Spanish. <laughs> so like basically, in Spanish is incubadora. So it's almost the same okay. uh, the thing Thank is you, that this, 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 <laughs> Gracias, <Rita. laughs> these two guys meet from their fish tanks and they become friends oh. that's that's the first scene right the last mm. scene is they both very old one of them is in a wheelchair and the other one is like with a cane Getting mm. naked, jumping into a into a lake, for swimming, completely happy about life, and Sarah with the music is just wonderful. So it has this movie feeling because yeah. Sarah really, really, I don't know. It's 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 a team of three. Of course, I'm telling you the. The, the story and in the story you can only see the mm. two uh, improvisers but right. Sarah 
is the rest. So it's just wonderful. And how long are your shows? And Daniel that... is back. Yes, Daniel is back. Daniel, you missed you oh. missed him telling the story about the show in Amsterdam and me like basically sobbing. Thank yeah. You. That's what you missed. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talked about the one where you were fish in a fish tank. Uh... <laughs> but did he be, did he... <laughs> but wait, wait, wait. Did he tell you about the one uh, with the cloud? No. No, tell that story. That was amazing. Because we we did this little interview before starting the show about things that people uh, remember about their childhood and about these special moments in their lives. And this woman talks about this piece of fabric that she kept in, in her pocket thinking that it was a piece of cloud hmm. that she that she owned when she was a kid and she like really cherished that piece of cloth uh, of fabric and hmm. and and she told us it wasn't such a big thing it was just this amazing thing in her Im imagination so then we started building this show and sorry, we sorry. built I have to I have to say something there before you continue. The mother told her in one point that oh this is not a piece of cloud this is just piece of clothes of of clothes mm -hmm. and she was very disappointed. Remember that? Yes, yes. Yes, her mom her mom kind of spoiled this this magical yeah. uh, imagination of of the fabric being a piece of cloud. So then we made this story, and in the middle of this story, there's this guy who is flying a kite. And the <laughs> kite guy kind of gets stuck, and he pulls down the kite, but he pulls down a cloud. Hmm. And in that time, we used to have like this blackboard where we will write certain ideas that the, the audience will give us. But in this theater, they didn't have a blackboard. So they gave us a block of sheets. Uh, so when Felipe started pulling the string of this kite, I just took one sheet and made a cloud. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And then the whole show was about this guy having this relationship with this cloud and they were going out for drinks together and they were uh, falling, falling in love, basically, this guy with this cloud. And at the end, there's a storm. I think Sarah brought in like a, like a, this soundtrack of effects of a storm. So the cloud wants to go, wants to go, but this guy doesn't want to let this, this cloud go. Oh my gosh. And finally, they hug like this. And this guy opens the window and the cloud goes out and I go out with this paper into the audience <laughs> and I give this cloud to this woman. Oh. Wow. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> she thought she was going to make it without crying. You just ruined it. <laughs> you just yeah. broke our show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. Oh, Amazing. That's oh beautiful. God. Did so she cry? Cool. Did she cry when you yes. gave her the cloud? Yeah. The whole theater oh was crying. It was like... Uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing. This is why I love these guys. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Oh. So beautiful. Uh, well, we've been talking for, for a long time. Oh, I did have one, just a quick question was, how long are your shows generally? Do you do it in sort of 25 and 50 minutes or have you done 90 minute sets? Normally one hour, one hour from, let's say, 45 minutes to one hour, 15, around that. That's a, that, to sustain an hour, 15 minutes with no dialogue is a, an amazing, amazing feat. Uh, so if people want to keep in touch with you to see what you're up to, where can they go? Is there anything you want to share that you have coming up? Either of you? Uh, well, right now I'm working on uh, this course, uh, like for the Impro Learning Center. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it was. It was you. It was not Felipe. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Great. So right. yeah, it's bit, it's challenging. Now it's strange to do these yeah. things and to record yourself and and I am. I am doing a very personal thing, I think. So it's been a bit <laughs> difficult sometimes. I feel a bit vulnerable because I'm actually talking about these journals and about these diaries and about wow. like uh, having a diary and uh, a, a book to have like a document recording all of your process in improvisation and how I'm trying to divide it in in like different sections of of things that this book have has become like a place to grow ideas a place to record and uh, document what has happened a place uh, to be myself and to have discussions to myself with myself a place to heal so it's been a it's been a challenging Thing, but also very interesting. Wow, that's I can't wait. I will definitely just when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta go back in time 20 years. <laughs> At least I can start now <laughs> for the next 20 years. But what a brilliant idea. I wish I had such a thing. So I'm glad you're gonna be sharing that. And uh, anything else, Felipe, that you'd like to share? I will be teaching a movement, uh, like expressive movement workshop for unexpected productions uh, online. Oh, great. Um, in June. And uh, soon I think I will launch like a magical realism workshop as well in English. So those, those two things at the moment. Oh, my heart. I love you both so much. I respect and admire you both so much. I so appreciate you giving us your time and your wisdom and insights today. Uh, Joe, Elise, anything you wanted to add before we close up today? No, thank you so no. much. This was so lovely. 
Thank you. Well, we'll see you in Portland as soon as possible. So <laughs> have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for watching Inside Improv. We'll see you next week. Thank you for inviting us. Yes. Our Thanks pleasure. Thanks for being here. It was great. Inside Improv. <laughs> this has been Inside, Inside Improv. Inside Improv. <laughs>